Welcome to 24-Hour Expert. You'll enjoy this podcast if you're someone who likes learning about different topics or just enjoys a good old fun fact. I'm Allie. And I'm Dan. Each week, we challenge each other to become an expert on a random topic in just 24 hours. Now it's time to find out how much we've learned. Hi, Allie. Hi, Dan. How has your morning been? So good. So good. Plot twist, still at nighttime. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, just, it's late. It's not even close to morning. It's super late. Okay, so tonight's episode is going to be about closed caption. <laughs> oh, okay. How did you get to this topic? So I was reading this article about AMC theaters, like the movie theaters, you know? Right. And they announced that at 240 of their U.S. locations, they're going to start having open captions for a lot of their showtimes to help make movie theaters more accessible to people who are deaf or hard of hearing. What is open captions? I'm so glad you asked. We're going to wait. I'm going to tell you about that later. Okay. Okay. But anyways, awesome. That's so awesome. Right. Right. So I was thinking about this topic and then I was thinking, you know what? Closed caption is kind of interesting. And it reminded me back when we first started sharing Hulu. Nobody come at us. We pay for a lot of things. This is the one thing we share. Okay. Right. Exactly. I mean, we're practically family. Exactly. When we first started sharing Hulu, I think it was my account at that point. And I would log in and the captions would be on by default and I'd turn them off. And then I'd watch a show, then whatever, next night, lock into Hulu, start watching a show, and the captions would be turned back on. And I was like, (laughs) why do these captions keep turning themselves back on? This is so frustrating. Come to find out, we're over at your house one day, and you put on something on Hulu, and there's captions. And I'm like, wait, are you the one that keeps turning the captions on on the Hulu account? And you, you confess at that point. Oh, yes, yes. We watch a lot of things with the captions on. I never used to, and now we only ever watch things with captions on. I don't know when we made the switch, but I can't watch TV without them anymore. Yeah, so we actually got started doing it because we were watching, I think it was The Wire, and we were having a hard time understanding some of the, like, speaking. So we put the captions on so we could follow the story better, and then it just became so much easier, like, for all shows the only time we turn the captions off is stand-up comedy routines we haven't seen because sometimes the punchline gets ruined because it scrolls ahead too fast. Right. But everything else captions on all the time. Also, sometimes game shows because they'll reveal the answer too early. Oh, yeah. That's a good point. That's a good one, too. Yeah. No captions. Or like reality shows sometimes if they're like, the person getting kicked off the podcast is, and then it'll like sometimes show up like, Allie, oh, yeah. But anyway, dang it. Yeah. (laughs) But now we share a CBS account, whatever it's called, Paramount, Paramount Mm -hmm. CBS, whatever, with my mom. We love captions now. She hates them. So we're in this constant battle of turning them on and turning them off. Oh, no. And like when you have different profiles, like they won't keep it like off for one or on for one. Now it does. Yeah, that's a good point. Okay. Yeah. I was just thinking that closed captions would be fun to talk about. And that's why we're here. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Let's do it. Okay. So what are closed captions? Most people probably are familiar with this, but just in case, 
Closed captions, they provide visual displays of additional or interpretive information. It's most commonly used to transcribe audio of what is happening on TV. Captions are super helpful for folks who are deaf or hard of hearing so they can read and see what's going on. And for people who have a hard time following the story. Yeah, yeah. Especially if we're watching like anything British and especially anything Scottish or like Irish. Like, forget about it. I also appreciate, like, there's a lot of really good foreign horror films. So I love when you can watch them with English captions so I can still, like, get what's happening. Squid Game on Netflix. Yes, I want to watch it. So we were watching it. We only got through maybe 20 minutes of the first episode and had to turn it off. We were watching it. It was dubbed in English. So the words weren't matching the mouth, which is fine. But we also had captions on. The captions in English were not matching what they were saying in English. It was so distracting. Yeah, that would be hard. I'd have to turn the captions off or mute it and just read the captions. <laughs> right. So everyone says, watch it in Korean and leave the English subtitles on and then you're fine. Okay. I'll have to remember to do that. So also, captions can include non-speech elements. Did you know this? I love the non-speech elements. <laughs> okay. Me too. One of the most common examples of non-speech elements is when they either caption the name of the artist in the song title of a song that's playing, or if it's instrumental, they'll describe the feeling or the mood of the song. And it's one of my favorite things in the whole world. I know, me too. You and I, not on the podcast, but have talked about this before. (laughs) One, they are so creative with what they come up with. And two, I close my eyes and I think, could I listen to this and like come up with something so creative? Because sometimes it's very funny. It is. I love the words they choose. Always have the most descriptive words. And did I ever tell you I actually tried to become someone who did closed captioning? What? Yeah. So when we were living in Chicago... I just, you know, had a lot of free time because I work remotely. I didn't know anybody. My husband was working crazy hours, so I just had time to kill. So I was like, oh, I'll just get a side hustle, make some extra money. You know, it can't be that bad to sit there and get to watch videos and you just have to type out what they say. Right. So I made it through like the first round of auditions or tryouts or whatever you want to call it. And then the second round, I did not make it. I wasn't accurate enough, I guess. So. Well, that's silly. That stinks. But they do have very high standards, which I get. Although, and I know you and I have talked about this and not to go too far, but I have watched The Office so many times that I know all the errors in the closed captioning. And I'm like, that's not what he said. That's not what she said. Nope, nope, nope. (laughs) Typo. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So we'll kind of get to it. But the FCC only recently started putting in rules for how accurate captions have to be. Really? Yeah, it's very, very recent. I want to say 2017, 2018 is when they started saying you have to be so accurate and it has to be within so much time too. Because sometimes you're watching something and the captions are either way behind or way ahead. Right. So the FCC now regulates that, which I thought was interesting. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, because I remember, you know, when I was doing this test thing, they were very particular. Yeah, accuracy. And then you were responsible for dragging the captions to the appropriate part of the videos and having them like match up like perfectly. 
I don't know, either the company had very high standards or these things were already in place. So in preparation for this episode, I was writing down in my little notes app my favorite examples of music descriptions that I've seen on TV shows recently. This is so fun. Okay. Sinister Oregon. Ooh, yes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Sultry jazz. Ooh, oh, sexy. <laughs> Spooky haunting music. Ooh, I love it. Soft rousing music. <laughs> oh, okay. That seems kind of contradictory. Cool, Soft yeah. Soft rousing. Okay, okay. Yeah. So, Allie, I thought we could play a game. Oh, okay. I'm going to play you a clip of music, and you have to tell me what you would write as the caption if you were the caption writer. Oh, gosh, this would be so hard. Okay, I'll try. (laughs) So, just so everyone knows, this music is license-free music. We are authorized to use it. Please don't add us. Are you ready for the first one? Okay, wait. If I say what I would do it, if you have something better, will you say what you would do it? Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. We'll give credit to the name and the artist, but we're going to do it afterward because the title sometimes gives it away. Okay. All right, here's the first one. maybe bright upbeat music oh that's really good so that song was in the bright category oh it was called the way home by good b music oh okay yeah so that was really good okay here's the second one are you ready okay one because like at first i'm like oh it's like getting down to business like i picture like a police chase or something but then it almost started to feel like almost a little ominous so uh ominously getting down to business (laughs) (laughs) so it's funny and i don't know how well this is picking up with a microphone because when i hear that i think like i'm on a horse and i'm like getting ready to go into battle and i'm gonna go like save the prince you know Okay, yeah, I could see that too. So that one is called Heroic Story by Less FM, and it was in the Restless category. Restless. Okay, okay. Okay, here's the next one. Are you ready? Oh, yeah. That is 100% scary funhouse music. Yeah, yeah. So it was in the suspense category, and it's called Nightmare on Imagination Land by X Element IGN1S. Okay? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Just trying to give credit where credit's due. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that was definitely like spooky show, but kind of funny at the same time. I don't know. 
Yeah, like I'm picturing like a big red and white swirl and some like, you know, creepy clown coming out, but not like scary clown, just like, yeah, I don't want you to be near me clown. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, here is number four. Ooh, this one's fun. Acoustic choir boys. <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know. Acoustic choir Cause, boy. Because I could see it being like a very innocent like church scene in a movie where there's just like the choirs practicing or something. But I could also see it having like a little like sinister twist to it. But obviously everything in my brain is skewed that way. So, so this one was in the scary category and it's called Join Us. Horror music with children singing, and it's by Astro Freak. <laughs> oh, so yeah, my intuition was right. It's creepy. Yeah, this was definitely like to me. This is like you're about to get murdered. Yeah, <laughs> by these creepy little kids. Yes. <laughs> okay, here's the last one. Whimsical music. That's perfect. Yep. So this was in the funny category and it's called Baby Game. There are actually two versions of this song. I purposely picked this one because the other one is the exact same music, but it has like a little baby like cooing and giggling in the background and it's very unsettling. Oh, yeah. Thank you. I don't want to hear that. (laughs) Yeah, you did really good. I would hire you for my music caption service. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you. Let's talk about the history of closed caption. The very first demonstration in the United States of closed captioning was at the first National Conference on Television for the Hearing Impaired in Nashville, Tennessee in 1971. So it's like 50 years old, this technology. Okay, wow. The closed caption system was developed and successfully broadcast for the first time at a PBS station in Washington, D.C. in 1973. We got our first real-time captions, and this is where a stenotype operator, like a stenographer almost, Mm -hmm. types captions in real time for a live broadcast. That happened for the first time in 1982. I could not do that. That's way too much pressure. Right. So fun fact, stenotype operators have to be able to type at speeds of over 225 words per minute. What? How is that humanly possible? Oh, right. They have like the shortcut keyboard. Yeah. Yeah, somehow I've made my way on a stenotype TikTok because I get stenographer videos on TikTok all the time. So I've watched like some TikTok videos of a woman who was going to like court reporting school, which I'm imagining is a similar machine. And she's like explaining it. And I'm like, wouldn't it be faster just to type it out? Like this does not make sense to me. Yeah. (laughs) Currently in the United States, there are four major producers of captions. The main caption producers currently in the U.S. are WGBH-TV, which is Boston PBS, a company called Vitac, a company called Caption Max, and then finally a company called the National Captioning Institute. Did you apply with any of those? No, this was for a smaller company that did like YouTube videos or like corporate 
you know, videos that they make. Like, yeah, so it wasn't for like TV. It was for smaller type projects. So another thing, and I think we all kind of assume this is happening because every once in a while you'll see captions and you're like, well, that's kind of what they said, but not really. It's almost as if when you're talking to Siri or Hey Alexa or whatever, speech recognition technology is starting to become more popular for captioning as the technology advances. And this is a really fun fact. Are you sitting down for this one? I'm sitting. Okay. BBC Sport in the UK. BBC Sport is like ESPN, I guess. Okay. They use a re-speaker. And this is a person that listens to everything that the live broadcast person is saying and repeats it into a microphone, only they do it in a monotone and very enunciated way so that the voice recognition can clearly understand what's being said. That's like somebody's job. They just have to repeat everything. They just have to repeat everything, but they have to do it in a very monotone way so that the computer can pick it up. That's crazy. I would suck at that. (laughs) Right. That's why we have a podcast. (laughs) It doesn't matter how sloppy I talk on this. (laughs) That's more common nowadays than it is like the person sitting and typing out. So question, if you have an answer. So they use voice recognition. Let's say they're doing an episode of a TV show to put the captions on so that you can have them on on your Netflix, Hulu, whatever you watch. So if they're using voice recognition, do they have a person who actually checks to make sure that there's not like errors? For the live broadcast, probably not. But yeah, for the Netflix, for sure. Yeah. So the regular use of captions in the United States started in 1980. These were the first programs that had captioning. Are you ready? Okay. So Disney's Wonderful World They played a movie called The Son of Flubber on NBC that was fully captioned. Oh, okay. ABC had a Sunday night movie called Semi-Tough that was fully captioned. Masterpiece Theater on PBS was also fully captioned. Nice. And the first kids program with full captions was a program on PBS called 321 Contact. And I don't know if you remember this. But that was my jam in school. I loved 321 Contact. No, I don't know what it is. Oh, if I played you the music, I, you'd probably recognize it. Maybe you wouldn't. But I loved it so much that they had a contact magazine that I had subscribed to. Oh, it was so great. <laughs> oh, I'm going to have to go Google it now. So one of the things that's actually interesting, when captions first were developed, they were encoded on a specific like frequency channel. If you wanted to get the captions, you had to buy a specific device that you hooked up to your TV that could take in that that channel and then mm-hmm. display the captions on your TV. So it wasn't something that was just like built in. Oh, I didn't even think about that, that it wouldn't just be there. Right. So on January 23rd of 1991, Congress passed the Television Decoder Circuitry Act of 1990. So this gave the FCC, which is the federal... Communications Commission, the authority to enact rules to require TVs to come with built-in caption encoders. So after that, the FCC said any television 13 inches or bigger has to have a built-in decoder if they're going to be sold on or after July 1st of 1993. Also, in 1990, the Americans with Disabilities Act was passed, and this required that public facilities, so hospitals, bars, shopping centers, and museums had to provide access to the verbal information on televisions, films, or slideshows. 
So after that, if you were went to a museum, it had to have captioning. If you went to a bar, the bar had to have captioning for their TVs and whatnot. Oh, nice. Yeah, I like that. Interestingly, this did not include movie theaters, and it continues to not include movie theaters. Which is so crazy now that you think about it. Right, right. So you may be wondering, what is the difference between a caption and a subtitle? Only the U.S. and Canada make a distinction. Everywhere else in the world, they're synonymous. They're the same thing. But in the U.S. and Canada, captions are intended for when the viewer cannot hear. So it's like, you know, deaf and hard of hearing. Right. Subtitles are used when they assume the viewer can hear but cannot understand what's going on or can't understand what's being said. So typically, subtitles are used when there's a strong accent or if whatever the person says is bubbled or or whatnot. Okay, so it, like a subtitle, like let's say you're watching a movie without captions on. When they, the movie, inserts, like let's say someone in the movie speaking a foreign language and they translate it in the movie for you, would that That's be a subtitle? A subtitle? Okay. Got exactly, it. yep. But everywhere else in the world, they're the exact same thing. <laughs> oh, Okay. <laughs> We just like to be different, don't we? Just have to be different. We're so special. (laughs) So going back to the beginning, when we were talking about AMC movie theaters, they now have open captions in a lot of their theaters for different movies. So the question, what is Mm -hmm. the difference between an open and a closed caption? Yes. Kind of obvious after you read it, but closed captions are captions that need to be turned on explicitly by the viewer. So you have to go to your settings or on your remote or whatever, turn Mm -hmm. on the captions. Those are closed captions. Open captions are considered to be burned in, and I'm doing air quotes right now. They're part of the video, and they can't be toggled on or off. Okay. Yeah. So you have no choice. You have to look at them. Right. So when you go to one of these particular showings at AMC Theater, the captions will be on the screen for everybody. Awesome. No, I want to go to those specifically for the captions. Yeah, Yeah, like, thank you. So this got me wondering, what did deaf and hard of hearing people do at the theater before we had open captions? Right, yeah. I mean, I guess I just assumed they didn't go and just waited for like a movie so they could have captions. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's one of the options. So I found this information on a blog post by a man named Don Gruskin, who is a PhD. He is deaf himself, and he described what happened before this whole open caption thing. And I thought it was really interesting, so I want to share that information. Oh, yes. So if we think way back in the day, when movies first started, they were silent. There was no talking. You're right. Yeah. So aside from the music they may have played along with whatever was going on on screen, deaf people had the exact same experience as hearing people when watching these silent movies. Right. But then movies started having audio, and deaf people would have to try to follow along with lip reading. And he said, it's really hard because the camera angles are moving, they're cutting away, and sometimes there might be something happening. Oh, yeah, they're not like facing the screen. <laughs> right, right. He said it's especially hard for horror movies because in horror movies, a lot of the plot of the movie isn't dialogue. It's like music and screams and, and whatnot. And you, you, it's harder to follow along. The other thing he noted is that in older movies, people used to smoke a lot more in movies and smoking 
impeded being able to lip read, which I thought was really interesting. Okay, so then theaters started offering open captioning, but their movie times were usually only once a month or maybe once a week. And the showings would be really odd times, so like 10 a.m. on a Thursday. And it's like, who's available to go to a movie at 10 a.m. on a Thursday? And he made an argument saying that movie theaters would point to the fact that nobody was at the movie to help justify not needing more open captions. They're saying, well, nobody's showing up to these ones. So clearly there's not a demand. Yeah. Well, some of us have jobs. (laughs) We're deaf. We're not, you know, unemployed. (laughs) So that's that was a problem. But then in the late 1990s, some theaters started offering what was called rear window captioning. There was a screen. It was essentially like a little mirror that you would put in your cup holder that would reflect an LED display that was sitting at the back of the theater where it would display the captions on this little reflective device that would sit in your cup holder. No, never heard of this. But he said the problem was is you had to shift your attention between this small little cup holder and this giant movie screen, you were constantly, you you were lost the entire time. Yeah. Today, I mean, this technology has not gotten any better, which is really wild to me. But today, some theaters offer caption glasses. And these are actual like glasses that you wear like normal glasses on your face that project the captions in front of you. Never heard of that either. Right. And this remains to be the most technologically advanced option. When you looked, like they're glasses. So the captions would be wherever you're looking. So right. if you're not looking in the exact right spot and you don't move your head, like very hard yeah. to, to maneuver. So good for AMC for having these open captions. I support that 100%. Oh, agreed. Agreed. So this also got me thinking about growing up, one of my friend's mom was deaf. And they had a teletype machine in their house. So this teletype machine was a way for her to be able to make phone calls through a relay service. So she would connect, dial a number. It would go to an operator. The operator would call whatever person or business she was trying to call. The operator would act as the middle person, and she would type out what she needed to say. The operator would relay it. The re- the person would say to the operator, the operator would type it back. So it was kind of like a text message only with a person facil- facilitating, right? Okay, okay. So naturally, what do you think snotty little 12-year-olds do when they have access to a teletype machine? Oh, no. Did you guys like prank, use it to prank call or something? We did. We did. And like, I remember being on the receiving end of the prank calls every once in a while where like my friends would call me. The operator, you could just tell, like, they would, like, sigh, like, like, ugh, stupid kids, prank calling. Right. Very abusive of the service, something that people actually need to use that that we were abusing. We would call the, like, movie store, the local rental, movie rental place. Okay. Not a blockbuster, but, like, a small little local one. And we'd always be, like, we'd ask if they had, like, these dirty movie titles. (laughs) (laughs) Daniel. I don't know why we thought that was so funny. <laughs> because your little prepubescent boys, they think weird stuff right. is funny. I mean, you didn't crank call people? <laughs> no, I was always too scared. I mean, the only thing I ever did, there's this really popular lawyer in Michigan called Sam. And his phone number is 1-800-CALL-SAM. And he's mm-hmm. been around for literally decades. So sometimes, like, if we were at the bowling alley and there was a payphone, we'd 
you know, 1-800-CALL-SAM, and then the operator is like, oh, you know, how can we help you? And I remember one of my friends one time being like, a squirrel stole my nuts. (laughs) But that was as close to prank phone calls as I ever got. I was always too scared. And I mean, by the time, like, we were teenagers and doing that kind of stuff, they had, like, that star 69 where you could call the number back. Oh, yeah, but then you just had the star 67, and that blocked your number. Yeah, no, I don't know. I was always too nervous. I was not good at being devious or breaking rules. (laughs) That's funny. That's really funny. Uh, Last thing before I pitch a new career to you. Oh, okay. I did. Well, apparently I'm not going to pitch it because it sounds from our earlier discussion that you were not successful at this. But anyway. I do so much better now. (laughs) In the research for captioning, I stumbled across audio descriptions for the blind have you heard or seen these i have a general idea my mom used to work with a blind man and was very good friends with him and she would tell me about the software that he would use to do his job every day so i have i feel like i have a general idea of what it is it's a specific audio channel that's available on a lot of major networks according to the fcc audio description is basically audio narrative descriptions of television's key visual elements So a good example is if you're watching where the joke is a visual gag, where something that is happening on screen that they're not actually talking about, but everybody's laughing because it's funny, the audio descriptions is a person describing what's happening on the screen. Oh, okay, okay. So it's like an extra audio channel for blind people or people with low vision to be able to understand or see what's going on without... or. I guess, hear what's going on. Right. So, Allie, would you like to have a job as a captioner? I I tried to. (laughs) I was just curious, and I looked up the National Captioning Institute. I kind of wanted to know more about what the requirements were to do it. Mm -hmm. Right now, they're not hiring actual, like, typers or typists, but they are hiring that re-speaker position that I was talking about. They don't call it the same thing, but listen to this. Flexible hours, you get overtime, benefits... And it pays $32,000 a year. That is not bad at all. That sounds great. Just for talk, just to say, like, repeat what people say all day, sign me up. Yeah, that sounds great. So if anybody's interested, that's the National Captioning Institute. And I clicked on the careers link at the bottom of their website. <laughs> Use us as a referral. Just kidding. They don't <laughs> no. know who we are. <laughs> I'll try anyway. All right, Allie, that's your knowledge. You're free to forget it. Do with it what you will. And if there's anything we got wrong, you can always email us. Email us at 24hourexpert at gmail.com. It's our Facebook, our website, our Instagram. You can find us there. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to 24 Hour Expert. Our theme song is Lo-Fi World by Ricky Bombino. If you like this episode, please share it with a friend. And don't forget to subscribe so you're notified of future episodes.